You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Please remember that subscribing to our podcast on iTunes is the best way to support our show. Those of you who are already subscribers, we thank you. And for those of you who aren't, we thank you in advance. You can subscribe on Stitcher, Player FM, and SoundCloud, or find us on YouTube. If you like what you hear, tweet it out with the hashtag BHPhotoPodcast. In case you missed this morning's headlines, today's episode is number 100. We hit the century mark. And we're going to be celebrating this milestone over the course of the next few weeks with special episodes and an incredible camera photo goodies giveaway. Stay tuned for further details. Okay, the topic of the day is entertainment news, fashion, and celebrity photography. And joining us both here in the studio and via Skype are Chris Doherty and Jennifer Greylock, both of whom are deeply involved in the world of red carpets, runways, and paparazzi. But before we release the choke, Al's gearhead pick of the week. If you're the type of shooter who likes prowling around the dark with a Sony E or Leica M-mount camera, Voigtlander's new knocked-on 40mm f1.2 spheric lens is a lens you should go add to the top of your must-have list. This 40mm focal length is truly normal on a full-frame camera. It has a close focusing distance of 1.1 feet, and I have little doubt that the depth of field at f1.2 is insanely narrow and amazing. It's also no doubt a sharp lens. Best part, you can buy about a dozen of these high-speed puppies for about the same price of a single like a 75mm f1.25 Noctilux M, which in case you're curious goes for $12,795 and another 95 bucks for the shade. Operators are standing by. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I do a lot more podcasts there than that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the Voigtlander Nocton 40mm f1.2 Aspheric. Okay, it is showtime. Chris Doherty is trained as a journalist in the UK and has been in the celebrity news and photo business for over 25 years. He currently owns and runs InStar Images, which is one of the world's top independent agencies in the entertainment news world. InStar Images is based in New York City with offices in the UK and Australia. Welcome, Chris. Glad to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you here. This is deja vu. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a, I, here's an opening question for you. What qualifies a photographer to be a celebrity photographer? Aside from having a good camera and a 70 to 200 millimeter lens. Right. That's, that helps for sure. Um, you know, an interest in celebrity news and, and uh, the world of celebrity is a kind of prerequisite. You know, you have to be, you know, you have to have more than a passing interest in, in what you're shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you have to know who you're shooting, right? So you need to understand that not everyone that you're going to shoot is Angelina Jolie. It's, you know, having a knowledge of uh, celebrities as a whole from A-list to Z-list is is very important. Can you find a niche? Can you be that photographer who just works in, I don't know what, television stars or daytime television stars and, sure. and kind of make a go at yeah. it? Yeah. And, and there are photographers that specialize in, you know, country music, right. daytime TV. Right. And well, Ron Galella specialized in Jacqueline Kennedy. He did, <laughs> yes. <laughs> quite he was famously. a specialist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite famous <laughs> specialist. Yeah. Um, so is 
the the hustle, you know, a big part of it. I mean, somebody who is up first thing in the morning trying to find that that event and then working, 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 is that kind of the the, the number one qualification for this kind of work? Or I mean, are photography skills maybe third down the list in, in terms of uh, what makes you a good celebrity photographer? Um I wouldn't I would I think photography skills are important. Um and more important than people maybe give celebrity photographers credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Hustle is is definitely part of it. You know, you have to be hungry to get the next picture, you know, and that means you have to be out there looking for it. So, yeah. We, what, used, to know, we used to know celebrity photographers by name. Mm-hmm. It seems that there's a lot more people trying to get that same prize picture these days. Is it? How does that affect what you're doing business-wise? Well, it, there's more competition, obviously. Um, having said that, you know the 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 best uh, photographers stand out, you know, and, they, and those are the guys that uh, and women who um, regularly feature on the pages of the magazine, still and newspapers and and on websites. Now, if you're dealing with a with a, a celebrity or any individual, anybody in front of your camera, you're doing a portrait, say. On a one-to-one thing, there's a lot more control. You can be a lot more creative and a lot more dynamic. But mm-hmm. if you're working, say, on, on a runway situation or any red carpet or anything like that, you're basically corralled into the same little holding area as 800 other people with similar equipment. Right. How do you differentiate yourself that way? It seems to me just real tough to break to break away from the crowd. Mm-hmm. It is tough, and um, a lot of it is about access, in the first place. So, you know, number one, can you actually get into that event? You know, it's not that easy to get a spot at the Oscars or the Golden Globes. Um, Then it's the level of access you have once you're in there. You know, are you in the pen with 200 other photographers or are you on the other side of the rope, you know, on the runway with the celebrities or even backstage with the celebrities? Now, what do you have to do to get that for? You have to uh, <laughs> experience, that's, right? That's the $64,000 question. It's, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, you know, being friends with the publicist helps. Um, having a good track record and a known uh, byline okay. by yeah. the publicists and celebrities helps. Um, and how does the agency help? What, what do you guys do? Do you well the agency has the agency has to have a good reputation mm-hmm. basically, and uh, you know that's that's paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a good relationship with the the people who are organizing the event. In most cases, that's publicists, and you also have to be able to get the pictures that you've uh, obtained from previous events placed because mm-hmm. that's what they use when they're deciding who gets in and who doesn't. Right. Yeah. Um, if you're an agency that never gets placed, then they're less likely to let you in than an agency that does often. And how many of, let's say on a, on a regular basis, uh, of the assignments that are out there, do you send the photographer to or do they take care of that themselves and get back to you? Or, or what, what's that dynamic like? Um, we we try to help photographers as much as we can to um, you know get a, a credential mm-hmm. to cover uh, an event, but often, you know, they'll already know the publicist and they'll handle that themselves. And, you know, that's fine too. So it's a combination of, of both. Is there a preferable arrangement? 
Would you rather have complete control, or are you just perfectly happy having somebody who's we, out there doing it, just sending you yeah, good material? I mean, as 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 an agency, we just want to have as as many events covered as possible. So as many good events covered as possible. So whether that comes from our own uh, interaction with the publicist and credential or the photographer's relationship, you know, it, it's neither here nor there, really. Aside from embedding information into the image file itself, data. How do you separate your pictures from everyone else's? Specifically, say, when you have one of your one of your uh, 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 shooters in the pen shooting with 80 million other people, that same thing. There's a lot of pictures getting out of this event into a lot of different media outlets. Mm-hmm. How do you track what's yours? Because it seems to me to be very easy to say, to, to just drop your own byline into another picture because there are slightest differences between many of the mm-hmm. pictures, unless you caught a great moment that no one else went snap on. Right. Um, so uh, when the picture is published, sometimes there will be a byline, sometimes there won't. Um, but in the cases where there is not, there's you receive a report from the publication. Okay. And I'm talking about magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. If you think you've seen your picture in a magazine and it isn't on that report, then you contact the magazine and you say, hey, you know, you, you ran this picture. We didn't get paid. We, it wasn't reported. You know, what's going on? Um, also, there is software out there that will actually crawl through the pages of magazines looking for your picture. Oh, yeah, uh, I've used that for my own. But, right. but then here you're dealing with a situation where they are remarkably similar, a lot of these pictures, because mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of pictures are being taken within the same fractions of a second often yep. with the same exact background, just slightly different perspective shifts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the, first of all, the software picks that up. Okay. And um, so that's one way to go. The other, the other uh, there's, there's kind of an unwritten rule that you would not... Um, knowingly, you know, steal somebody else's picture and put your name on it. I mean, that's just a no-go. And, right. and anyone that was doing that on a regular basis would kind of be blackballed. Eventually, they're going to yeah. get caught. Oh, you get, then, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, you get yeah, caught. Yeah. Now, how many people... I, I want to get maybe later talk more about the work of the agency as mm-hmm. opposed to the photographer, but do you have somebody dedicated on your staff who is pouring through the magazines and, and keeping track of what has been shot and what's out there and all that stuff? Yes, yeah, we do. Yeah. We've ha- we have someone on staff who, um, I mean, often these days it's a digital version of the magazine, but mm-hmm. who who makes sure that we are um, basically paid for every um, usage that right. that occurs. Yeah. So most of the usage, I mean, you you don't know necessarily uh, other than monitoring maybe you know the, your your website and the software that's affiliated, but when a photo is chosen, right? Because it's all done through your website, correct? Well, yeah, the it's a combination. You know, certain clients will download from our website, and then we have a digital record of that, right. and you know, we follow up on that. Um, many clients receive our feed. You know, um, it's mm. it's like a you know wire service where right. we're pushing out pictures by by FTP all day long, and they have their own in house system, and they use that to select you know make their image selections and. Um, you know, they will then register that with us in a report every week or every month. Is this by subscription or is this an open? It's it's sometimes by subscription. It's sometimes on a per picture basis. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, no. But I'm just, in other words, this feed that you have, uh-huh. uh, people like subscribe to your feed, or is it an open feed that anybody could tap into? I mean, how controlled is it? Well, it's very controlled. I mean, we we um, uh, you know there has to be an arrangement in place before you receive our feed, um, whether you're a publisher or a foreign agent or you know a website TV show. And other you know, tiers of subscription, in the sense that some people will pay yeah. more and get a better selection or a larger selection? Um, generally, our feed is our feed. Yeah. You know, um, We give access uh, to the website on a different, um, you know, a different set of rules, but um, you know, certain clients can only download low res, mm-hmm. um, certain clients can't do- download at all, they can right. only browse. But the feed for us tends to be the feed. And, um, you know, if you have made an arrangement with us to receive it, you, you, get, you see everything. Let me jump back then back to the photographers uh, and, and Alan's earlier question. Do, people, do photographers regularly send you their website, their portfolio, and say, hey, I'd like to work for you guys, and here's some samples of my work? And, and you get back to them and say, okay. Or might you just get a set of images from an event last night from a photographer you never heard of? We wouldn't accept images from a photographer that we hadn't uh, vetted and had an arrangement in place with. Um, so if somebody just sends us pictures saying, hey, can you sell these images of whoever, Justin Bieber or whoever, we would, want, we would definitely want to know more about how they got those images and um, who they were, you know, and we would have them sign you know, an agreement with the agency. I suppose the answer to your original question is yes, we do. We are pitched by photographers often, and they will say, "Look, you know, I'm looking for representation. Take a look at my stuff, and then we'll decide whether we're interested or not." Um, How yeah. valuable is your uh, your vintage uh, archive? <clears throat> I mean, there are a lot of celebrity. <laughs> there's no shortage of celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there a, a large market for, say, photographs of? People, this either living or not living from you know earlier times, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, I would say, you know, archives are less valuable than they were um, maybe 10 or 20 years ago. But as you know, as a going concern, it's very useful to have a, a, an archive of images. Um, I think Instar has over 7 million um, images on tap and. What you'll find is that, you know, there'll be news events where people will want to see older images of, for instance, JFK Jr. Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe Heath Ledger who passed away a few years ago. And if you have, uh, you know, usable images of of those people at that point, then it's it's a valuable thing to have and it brings people to the agency. Are there a handful of photos that get sold a lot? I mean, can you kind of think of... I don't know, one photo of a particular celebrity that is the one that people kind of always come back to, uh, even let's say for anniversary issues or end of the year or type of things, or is it is it kind of spread itself out? Um, there are, uh, I guess, iconic pictures of celebrities that are used over and over again. The most um, popular photograph requested from the, uh, what's the Library of Congress, is Elvis and Nixon. Oh, really? In the, in, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I wish I owned it. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and how many photographers do you have um, in the stable? Uh, 
Is there a number you can put on that? Or well, I mean, there's about- you know we've handled over the years uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of photographers' work. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those photographers are still active; some are not. Right. So, you know, when you talk about the stable, we have probably I don't know, you know, somewhere between seven hundred and a thousand photographers on our books. But are those guys submitting stuff every day? No, you know. So I would say I would say roughly fifty photographers on on a very regular basis are submitting yeah. to us. Yeah. I guess we, I'm kind of curious about where the line is drawn between let's say the quality of someone's image and just the their quality of their professionalism, you know what I mean? Like somebody who is just really good about getting you work, and there's there's no hassles, and and the work is there, it's regular, but the photos may not be that that good, uh, as opposed to somebody else whose photography is a one, um, but they may not be as reliable or as regular, or there may be problems. Does does that affect how you continue the relationship with working with people, and and what's your your preference, <laughs> if possible. Well, I mean, the the ideal uh, candidate would check all the boxes, right? right? Of so that's really what you're looking for: someone who's reliable, someone who can shoot, and somebody who is um, can work with PR uh, people and can work with talent sometimes. So, ideally, that's what you want. Of course, you know, uh, not everyone checks all of the boxes. So, I think. Um, you you have to live with the fact that you have a combination of all of the above, right? And are, is is payment for photographers? It's always a, a percentage of what of what you sell, or how, how does that work? So there's there are different models. Mm-hmm. There's the the full buyout where you arrange you know ahead of time with the photographer that you know you're going to get whatever five hundred dollars for this shoot. Mm-hmm. And then we own your your images, and that's always ahead of time or normally arranged. Ahead normally, of time? yeah, yeah. You you wouldn't normally you wouldn't do that after the fact. I mean, on occasion that may happen, but normally you would arrange that beforehand. Um, for the most part, though, with freelance photographers, you sell on uh, a commission basis. So um, the photographer would submit their material. You would. Um, distribute it and uh, license it, and they would receive a percentage of the sale. Mm. And is the percentage the same for every photographer? Or is it isn't, work but it, it usually, it's usually between 60 and 70%. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. in their favor. In their favor. How yeah. often do you, does it occur that you get a picture that looks pretty terrific and you find out it's not who you think it is, it's just Joe Schmo, just happened to be out coming out with a cup of coffee from Starbucks and everyone thinks it's somebody famous, but it's not. Does that happen? I imagine it would. Yeah, it does happen. Um, you know, we we try to be very diligent about uh, making sure that we have those kind of details absolutely 100%. So we wouldn't, if there was any doubt about the identity of someone, uh, we would definitely, you know, not distribute the picture until we'd established that. And that does happen, hmm. you know. Um, have you had to retract anything? Yep, yeah. we have actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody might just be a dead ringer for Brad Pitt walking down the street, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it I can't happens. tell me. I cannot tell you how many <laughs> pictures I have of Strange. I thought it was him. Yeah, I was. I was <laughs> going to say library. how many times you get confused for Brad Pitt because <laughs> That's it. that happens a lot, right? <laughs> 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 um, 
Careful, I'll start interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> um, My nickname is Peach Pit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Armpit. Um, but uh, so the, uh, the, we talked the other day about some of the uh, like rights managed images. And can you explain what those are a little bit? And can you talk about how, like, to your, like, how would you ask somebody to say, okay, I want this to be a rights managed image? Is it just because it's something you know is going to sell better? Or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, we we don't honestly deal in uh, the world of royalty-free photographs. We're we're primarily an editorial agency, and we manage the rights to all of our pictures. So we don't really exist in that world, um, and it wouldn't make sense to, frankly, because you know the the microstock royalty-free world is not really um, suited to the kind of clients that we deal with and the kind of revenues that we're looking to generate from, I mean, honestly, that small um, pool of clients. Uh, Royalty-free is really for the world at large who want to license pictures for whatever reason. And everything else then is rights-managed, right? Right. So we, when when a photographer submits their material to us, we will, and, and this is the real advantage of working with an agency like ours instead of a microstock agency for celebrity photographers, we're going to negotiate the top dollar for that picture in every um, instance. Sometimes that isn't very much, but it is the the most amount that you can possibly obtain for the license. Um, so that's the model we use. Of course, lately, uh, subscriptions have become very popular with clients and that's a different form of licensing, um, but it is still uh, it still falls into that category. It's the most amount that you can command for the image, because most of those clients will only uh, really work with you within their subscription. Gotcha. Yeah. And you'd mentioned the different types of clients. You said you had editorial and, and PR clients. Yeah. And can you kind of uh, explain the difference and how that works for you? Right. Well. Uh, PR clients are, they have a different uh, agenda. You know, they're looking to promote either their um, talent, their celebrity, or they're looking to promote a product, or they're uh, looking to promote their event. So they will um, hire us to shoot something that they think is going to forward that agenda. Uh, We will... um, you know, we'll be paid on a kind of work-for-hire basis in some cases, and in other cases we'll just be hired as a photographer and then we can syndicate the, the material. So, so that's, their, that's basically their MO. Um, editorial clients are looking to cover uh, stories that they think their readers and their viewers will be interested in. So they, their agenda is to also to promote their own brand, but, also, but in a different way it's... Uh, to obtain coverage of things that they think their their viewership or readership is going to be interested in. I'm going to jump back to um, the photographer's work, uh, and can you talk a little bit about what makes a good red carpet photo, or what makes I mean, other than the star themselves? Right. Uh, so it's actually very straightforward. It's you want a good celebrity, so someone who's interesting to the public in good fashion. Uh, especially in the case of female celebrities, um, looking at the camera with eye contact and 
really the most uh, valuable image is a full length. And a full length is literally the top of their head to the tip of their toes. And, you know, a mistake that kind of novice photographers make is that they cut cut their feet off. Um, once you cut a celebrity's feet off, it's the picture's not worthless, but you're going to crop it to a half, half length. Yeah. You're not going to put that out. So, um, you know, if you can check all those boxes, that's, that's a good red carpet photograph. And obviously it has to be sharp and, and well exposed right, as well. Right, right. And uh, are red carpet photos somehow better than, let's say, a, a star coming out of Starbucks or a celebrity coming out of Starbucks or something that I guess we'd call more paparazzi? Is there a, a value that's placed on those differently? There is a different value, um, you know, and it, but it really depends on the uh, the use that you envisage for the picture, right? right? So if you work for the National Enquirer, you're looking for something different than if you work for Vogue. Right. Um, so I would say in terms of dollars and cents, the candid material tends to sell for um, more than the red carpet material. But, you know, it really... Uh, the difference is not as great as it used to be, and also the volume of red carpet material that's sold tends to be higher. Yeah. So Seems you know, like there's a lot of that it can on. yeah it cancels. Yeah. Yeah. That. And the photographers, I mean, you require them or ask them to edit well, or do you just want to get everything and do it yourselves? Uh, we well, you know, photographers have differing degrees of, of editing skills, let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing with digital photography is that, you know, more often than not, you're going to end up with way more pictures than you really need. Um, back in the film days, you would shoot a couple of rolls and you're done. These days, you're shooting a major event, you know, possibly thousands of photographs. And being able to go through those photographs and pull out the, the, the best ones quickly is, you know, some photographers can do it, but more often than not, that is best done in the office or by, a, you know, an editor who's working alongside the photographer. Um, so in answer to your question, we, on a normal night, we would require a certain amount of editing, um, but not, we, we don't expect the finished product to be provided by the photographer in every case. And is your staff working overnight? I mean, are they yep. available 24-7? Mm -hmm. 24 24-7, yeah. Because oh, yeah. yeah. we have, you know, with the different time zones, right. we have, uh, you know, Los Angeles is three hours behind. Right. London is five hours ahead. Australia is a day and a half ahead. Hmm. You know, so you have to, you have to cover... Curious to talk to the the night editor uh, who's at the night desk for you guys. It must be an interesting, yeah, <laughs> interesting I mean, job. <laughs> it's it's frantic, you know. It's yeah. it, there's a lot to do. It's very um, there's a lot of pressure actually mm -hmm. to to get the pictures mm -hmm. out quickly. And do you guys will you guys mm -hmm. touch photos in Photoshop? Will you brighten up a face or do what mm -hmm. you need to yeah, do? How and, far do you push that? Because there's a lot of talk right now about sometimes they say just too much cleaning up is being done. right. Well, I think. In terms of photoshopping, we don't. If a picture needs to be overly photoshopped to be to be color corrected, then honestly, it's not a great picture. You know, so you, you don't want to spend too much time on it unless there's unless something you had no choice, and it's an amazing picture. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's. I think the, the biggest uh, 
I, th- I think the biggest overuse of Photoshop is is oversharpening normally, and we're finding that nowadays some photographers have the sharpening function in their camera all the way up, and also they'll add unsharp. Well, how else mask. do you get sharp? Pictures? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> speak That's for yourself. Isn't that what it's for? <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. I mean, uh, we require some editing, some Photoshop and color correction, but we don't. Um, we don't really want the photographer to do too much of that because we just basic cleanup. Yep, good crop um, as long as it's well exposed and the eyes are open and things like this. What about what about drones and autonomous devices for taking photographs? Is that coming into being right now? Because seems to me, we sell. You go to the store, you could buy a little drone that will fit in your pocket. Mm -hmm. They'll follow you around, take pictures of you all day long. Yep. Anything like that being used? Anyone incorporating these into the workflow yet? Um, I've looked quite closely at that, actually, and um, it turns out that it's 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 not from a news perspective. It's it's there are a lot of regu- regulations surrounding. That oh, I'm world. sure there's a very fine line between invasion of privacy and everything else. Sure, and not just invasion of privacy, but the FAA have got regulations yes. in place. Uh-huh. The whole of New York City is a no-fly zone for drones, actually. Um, so it's New York. It's just a suggestion. Yeah, <laughs> it's like stop at the stoplight, right? Exactly, <laughs> merely a suggestion. So, you know, I think it is. You know, as, as the years uh, roll by, we will definitely see more and more of that. But at the moment, it's not something that we're looking to necessarily jump into. Because it could, I could see how it could be creatively exploited to be able mm-hmm. to, especially like backstage, it could be a nuisance, I would imagine, also, you have to be mm-hmm. really careful, but definitely has its I think what, arguments. I think what's interesting is micro-drones, which are going to become yeah. more of a, a thing as, as we proceed. And those are less invasive, and, you know, as the battery life extends. Yeah, having, having a phantom flying around exactly. backstage would be kind of frightening, but these little things the size of hummingbirds, little, sure. yeah. yeah. So I think more and more you'll see those um, become incorporated into the, the editorial world. Well, that's going to complicate things incredibly when it comes down to the issues you're talking about, like you know whose image it was and right. things like that. Yeah. Uh, just public. I can imagine you can imagine a publicist like going crazy on the drone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting a chat from behind. Sw- swatting, swatting, exactly. swatting drones <laughs> away from Britney Spears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now is Britney Spears the? I watched this documentary on Rolling Stone the other day, and it seemed like she. Be, you know, was the epitome of the, the beginning of this insane amount of celebrity photography and celebrity culture. Obviously, it's been going on for a while and it's continuing to go on, but it seemed like she represented a, a high point or a low point, depending on how you look at it. I <laughs> yeah, I, um, from, from a, I think I think she did epitomize that period of time when uh, people were becoming, you know, obsessed with celebrity. Uh, culture and what celebrities were doing and do you see a you see a change now you see a I think there is a change I think uh the biggest change that I've seen in the last few years has been the you know the onset of social media um you know celebrities are now able to control their their um public face and you know what they what they release to the public is what they want released in most cases. So, and that does devalue, uh, you know, very, you know, the very, um, what's the word? 
candid, uh, you know, the, the, one of the magazines had a, a, a page uh, for years called uh, Stars, They're Just Like Us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would show them, you know, out shopping at the super- supermarket and, and this sort of thing. I think that those pictures used to be sold at premium rates. And nowadays it's really not... Um, that way because, you know, Kim Kardashian will do a selfie of herself in shopping in Walmart or whatever, you know. And so I think it's, I think that has definitely changed the dynamic. Um, there's still a huge amount of interest, obviously, but from an agency point of view, it's, it's definitely And do you guys run changed. an Instagram feed or do you take part in social media on your, from an agency standpoint? Yeah, I mean, we have done in the past. Uh, and... You know, to, to, to varying degrees of success, frankly. You know, I mean, it's time-consuming. Consu- and when you're running a small, smaller agency like ours, you have to say, well, you know, are we really monetizing this? Is it something that I can afford to have two members of staff working on, you know, five days a week? Um, so the answer is, you know, we would... Uh, we have done that, and we, we do continue to do it in a... And to a certain extent, but it isn't it isn't something we put a lot of time and effort into these days. Yes, do you have like a, can you point to like a like a cycle? Like what's the shelf life of an image? I know Alan asked about images that are archived and that may come back and be used again, but do you, how often do you update? I mean, your, your site's regularly updated, right? Constantly, no? Or 24 hours or? Yeah, the, the site is constantly updated and, um, you know, when new pictures come in, you know, they're immediately distributed and added to our, our website. Um, so that is a constant uh, cycle. Uh, in terms of shelf life, there is no real shelf life for a picture. If somebody wants to buy it then or license it, it's it's there to be licensed, you know. And, you know, what may be interesting to one editor won't be interesting to another. Right. So it really just depends on the news cycle and, and whether... And how important is... On, on your end, the your search engine and, and, and putting efforts into your website, is that kind of paramount to, to getting the work out there? Yeah, it's very important. You yeah. know, you have to you have to have a good working website. You have it has to um, be easy, user friendly, you know, easy to access. I would imagine your subscribers, many of them probably have filtering systems put in where they're just looking for specific images. They're not interested in everything you have to offer. I right. assume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there there are ways of doing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Your classic sort of workflow is you log into the website, you type in a celebrity's name, and up comes the most recent pictures gotcha. of that celebrity, and uh, and that you know that's what nine times out of ten an editor will do, mm-hmm. or they will basically log into your website just to see what you produced in the last twelve hours while they've been asleep. So know? we're in kind of the uh, the brink of. Uh what may be the most important time in a long time for your agency and mm-hmm. others? We have a royal wedding coming up. Yep. Are you guys preparing in a, in a different way? Do you have plans for that? Or how important is that to your business? Because obviously you work through the UK and Australia too. Yeah, we've stockpiled uh, bottles of Valium. We've stockpiled, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we, we are getting ready for it it's uh, you know the royals are uh, uh they're almost like the ultimate celebrities and they have the ultimate control of um their public uh persona so you know we are not going to get a golden ticket to go and cover the the royal wedding um 
That's the, actually one of our sweepstake prizes <laughs> <laughs> for the 100th anniversary. I, I'll be entering. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but there are, a, you know, there are a group of photographers uh, in London who will be invited, and some of those photographers we, we work with. So mm. we will get, you know, coverage. Um, are you looking for other photographers specifically to cover this and, and like kind of making yeah, connections? I mean, because to those John's looking for a writer. <laughs> I'm looking for some work, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he has some friends over in the UK. It's an excuse to get over there. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, what we've done in the past is we've strategically positioned photographers along the Royal Mile. Mm. Now, this wedding is in a different location, so I really I haven't even looked into what the setup is going to be. There's obviously going to be a lot of members of the public lining the streets and, and so forth. So, you know, our, our uh, plan of action in the past has been to sort of try and cover those um, moments uh, with strategically placed So this is not really covering it like a news agency right. more than you would. And, but do you have a stockpile of images of these guys already that you're, you're already selling a lot of? Stockpile, or no. no. You no. Know, I mean, there's, there aren't that many pictures no. of, of them. Okay. Um, we, we did receive the photo call that was made at uh, Kensington Palace um, from uh, the Press Association, which is one of our um, uh, suppliers in the UK. And those are valuable pictures simply because there aren't that many pictures of of Meghan and Harry out there. Mm -hmm. You know, that'll change over time as they do more and more events but um, and, and appearances. But, you know, obviously any royal wedding, especially the British royals, is a big deal. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be a, a big... Um, a big event on the day. So, I wonder if they're on a gift registry at B&H. They probably are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's... Uh, Maybe send them one of those cameras you mentioned for 13 grand. <laughs> send a drone over there. Huh? <laughs> or at least a catalog. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, more with Chris Doherty. And we're going to be speaking with Jennifer Greylock via Skype about how she approaches the business. And again, we're going to be talking about gear and all kinds of other things that one should know about if you're interested in getting into celebrity photography. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. We are back. Jennifer Greylock is the founder and CEO of Greylock.com, a full-service photographic agency specializing in fashion, celebrity, and entertainment photography. Her work regularly appears in Us Weekly, People, TV Guide, In Style, Glamour, and Vogue. Jennifer was recently nominated for Top Red Carpet Photographer by the 2017 Hollywood Beauty Awards, and she's won numerous awards for her fine art black-and-white photography, including the Philip Eisenberg Award. By by the way, you know, Lenny Eisenberg works uh, in the second floor here in this very building. I don't know if there's any connection between the two, but <laughs> you, just, you just won a his award, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the no fifth floor. I'm not sure. Anyway, welcome, Jennifer. Uh, and Jennifer's here via Skype. And Jennifer Hello, works everybody. with Chris. How are and Jennifer you? works with Chris. It's and a small world. Yeah. Yes. I do. Chris rocks. Oh, and just so you know, I actually did win the uh, the Hollywood Beauty Awards as top photographer. Oh, congratulations! Cool. Very oh, good. Wow. Very, yeah. very good. That's great but unfortunately, news. I didn't have that updated on my uh, bio, so I apologize. All right. Well, we can re read this if that, if you prefer. That's not a that's not an issue. 
All right, can, no or, worries. All right. We also, you kind of said it, so we'll, we'll keep said, that in. There you go. You we'll have leave it. it in there. It's official. Okay, you got it. Congrats. You got it. It's official. Right. <laughs> right. Now, who took, you, who took your photo when you were winning that award? That's right. <laughs> Jennifer, you've been in this in this part of the business for, for like over 20 years now, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll admit to 20. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Um, I imagine you've also seen a lot of change in, in that time. Uh, obviously, oh, there's definitely. a lot more people out there with cameras. Uh, uh, taking pictures is that much easier. What are some of the other things you could uh, throw into that equation? How the business has evolved in all this time? Well, with, with the advent of the iPhones and Instagram and Facebook and all the other programs that are out there, it, it's been taking away jobs uh, from, from photographers across the board, regardless of where they're located, anywhere in the world. Uh, people are going to the Instagram accounts to get free photos. And we've also created a society now where it seems people feel it's okay to take photos and use them for their own benefit without paying for that usage. We've noticed. I know. It's, and, and, and that's yeah. that's kind of scary and it's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, it's a whole other, we could do a whole episode on that. How much time do you spend okay. policing your images? You know, it's, I don't have enough hours in the day to do yeah, that. I would uh, you know, I, I rely on, on Chris and, and other people to help me with that. But, you know, you catch them, you tell them, hey, you're using my photo, you didn't have my permission. Oh, sorry. And then they take it down. They don't want to pay for that usage. And so you're kind of like left with, okay, I just worked 20 hours on that job. You just use my photographs to benefit you with your web or your blog or what have you. And you've gotten X, Y, and Z out of it, but I end up with nothing. But I did all the work. Right. We were right. talking uh, earlier with Chris uh, on the first part of the uh, of this episode, and we were talking about the fact that there are software applications that will scan and look uh, for your images, uh, images that you've registered online and find. How often does this actually come up? Is this a daily occurrence where you find people are using your photographs? Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, definitely. And there are services out there that will uh, chase down uh, offenders and send them notices and even prosecute them or attempt to. But the whole, uh, it's its such a huge problem and it's so difficult to police the, the whole internet. And I imagine it's even more difficult to get your comp, your share, your compensation right. that they took for it. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so, it's, so they got it. So it gets to a point where unless you're dealing with a major corporation who has done this and they have a legal department that un understands the implications of what they've done and deals with it and engages with you, it's, you know, you're sending notices to, you know, small uh, blogs which are run by individuals in their bedrooms. You know, it's just, it's, it's too big to to police. Let me ask you, I mean, maybe in, in terms of ways to battle against the loss of control of some images, do you work with, with several agencies and should photographers in this line of work do that? Or how, how do you find uh, navigating that? Well, it, in this day and age, you have to work with multiple agencies. There's no way that you can keep all your, your eggs in one basket anymore. Uh, there's just, uh, there's just not, there's no way to really make enough money. Uh, I have gone more of I'm just doing assignments for clients and then I syndicate the pictures out when they allow me to do it. And this way I get paid up front for the usage. So if they do end up on the internet uh, or on Instagram or some other place, at least I've gotten paid for mm -hmm. that and I'm not doing something on spec. Mm -hmm. And who generally are your clients? 
they range um, fashion houses, diamond companies, uh, celebrities, mm. car manufacturers. It runs the gamut. Mm. And is the relationship with the celebrity or the publicist what is the most important aspect of finding the clients and keeping the clients, other than the good photography? <laughs> well, the yeah. photography helps, but a lot of it is is dealing with the with the public relations people that I've known for years. So through them, they 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 contact me and they hire me to shoot whatever they need to have shot uh, for a variety of of different clients. And then for the fashion houses, the the designer themselves will contact me directly. And then I do lookbooks, I do the runway, I do the backstage beauty. There's there's a lot of stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very eclectic in my in my abilities. Right. Do you, are you a, a, a one-person shop or do you have people who work for you uh, as your agents, so to speak, and where you know, they hire you or your company and you'll send out other people to do the work? Or are you shooting everything that comes out under your name? It depends. Uh, different times of the year, uh, it's just me. Other times of the year, let's say a fashion week, I have a team of people who work with me and we photograph a variety of things for a variety of different clients. Ah, Okay. Now, you've also been doing this for, like we said, for, for quite a while, and you, you're now winning awards and being recognized for the work that you've done. Um, it's about time. It's about time. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you do to keep yourself, in, 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 again, at the top of that list? Because obviously, there's more and more competition every single day from various sources to get that same, you know, that same brass ring. So what are you doing, or how do you keep yourself up there? You know, I make sure I keep myself relevant. I, I photograph high-profile events. Uh, I luckily I have a a cache of high-profile clients that always come to me and have me shoot things for them. Uh, so it, it's it's a combination of both. I keep my relationships, which are very very important, and I make sure that I can do whatever they need me to do. Uh, Hopefully it's not at the last minute because I don't appreciate those bookings, but you know I, I do my best to work for them and to give them what they need, and that's why they always come back. I take it you're not so much then you know bumping elbows at at, uh, at the red carpets any longer, or do you still do that? Oh sure, sure. Clients actually hire me to do the red carpet as well. So it's my back my my background is is eclectic. I can do the red carpet, I can do backstage beauty, I can do parties, I can do concerts, I can do runway. So the clients like the fact that I'm very versatile and I can do a, a variety of different things. The other night, last night or the night before, I was with Frida Pinto doing a uh, launch campaign for a, a new hotel and charity. And that was a combination of doing fashion portraits and then doing party and corporate uh, kind of photography. I, I've lo- After looking at your site, parts of your site actually do look like you are a corporate photographer. And I don't mean that meaning you do grip and grin of, of people in suits shaking hands. There's a very corporate, uh, uh, upscale corporate look to some of the work that you have there. So you're more oh, than just you. a snapshooter, you know, of somebody standing there, you know, grinning at all the cameras on a red carpet. There's actually, I found, you know, a lot of thought and depth to a lot of the pictures, a lot of skill involved in uh, a lot of the pictures that you have online. No, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, we're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next week is the 101st episode. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you to say, when you have a, a client at the red carpet, would that be a publicist who's working with several stars or the star themselves will say, uh, hey, you come to the red carpet and, and make sure that you get, you know, get me looking as best as I possibly can uh, and they just generally want more control over that image? 
basically it's uh, I've for the Oscars, I've had clients that have come to me and asked me, uh, can you please make sure you get Nicole Kidman wearing diamonds? Mm-hmm. This was something I did with Harry Winston. So you have, and this is this this is where the pressure comes in and you kind of lose your mind there for, for a little while. You get the celebrity in front of you, and if anybody knows Nicole Kidman, you know she won't give you eye contact. She looks all over the place. She's very nervous on the red carpet. So I have like three seconds to get the shots for my clients. And, you know, if you don't get the shot... They really don't want to pay. So, you know, you have to really be able to, to get what they need at that moment in time. It's a fleeting moment. You just have to go and get it. And it's then that, that photo you can then submit to an agency and earn after the fact as well, or you have to arrange that with a client ahead of time, obviously. And uh, is that the norm or, or usually not? It, it depends on the client. Some people want just exclusive images and other clients are fine that they'll select, let's say, five pictures and they want those pictures to go out of that celebrity. So they ask you just to hold those and send them out and don't send out any of the other images. And you mentioned something that Chris mentioned earlier uh, about eye contact and you mentioned that uh, uh, some people will just, they don't make eye contact, but that's really it's a big thing. And Chris, you also mentioned that, that the keeper shot is when you actually have whoever you're photo- is making contact with the lens. How often does that happen? I imagine a lot of this stuff, you're just glazing out there at this lineup of photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you luck out? Is it, is it more common that you do get that shot, or do you have to settle more often for side glance of, of whoever? I, th- I think, you know, uh, th- those are not completely worthless, right? So if you don't have eye contact, it's not the end of the world but the prize is the prize is the eye contact and you're more likely to get eye contact if you're in a good position uh within the pen of photographers so sort of front row center would be ideal or or some are some photographers argue at the beginning of the walk so when they when the celebrity comes out of the car you know they'll stop right there as soon as the red carpet begins uh some photographers believe that's the best spot Uh because they get if it's a very long carpet, like the Oscars or the, you know, or Cannes Film Festival, it gets pretty old pretty yeah, quickly. They yeah, they go, they get oh, bored yeah. at the end, right? Yeah. And you know, uh, yeah, and they get tired. Yeah. They don't want to smile anymore. <laughs> you know, by the way, we, you know, at B and H, we sell these neat little things. They're like little fuzzy, colorful animals. You could put them on. They clip onto the front of the Pe- lens. People do that. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine. Well, they I was going to ask you, Jennifer. Do you have any <laughs> techniques that you use to get that eye contact, other than? you know, having prearranged it or, or screaming their names? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's a little bit, it's a little bit easier because it's a sea of men and then there's a woman. So I tend to get eye contact more often because of that. Even, even if I have big guys around me that are screaming their heads off and trying to get the celebrities' attention, I never scream because nobody ever hears me. So the celebrities tend to look at me most of the time, which is, which is exciting for me. It pisses them off, mm. but, you know, what can I say? So women are still a minority among celebrity shooters? Is that? Oh, God, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, God. I think that's yeah. fair wow. to say. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And can I ask, then, the, the images that you then do send out to the agencies, If you, let's say you've already arranged a, a fee with a client, is that icing on the cake, a little extra money, or is that the bulk of, of what you're earning, if I can ask? If I send the, the images to to an agent, um, the return on that is very low. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm basically making my money when the client hires me and pays me to do a shoot. Right. So if they're paying me to get the red carpet shot, that's where I make my money. And then later on, you know, when, when things get placed in magazines and blogs, et cetera, I won't even see the payment on that for at least six months. Cause by the time they pay and then it goes through the system. And then when I finally get it, so maybe six months later, I'll get $50. Right. Is that how, is the payment generally by twice a year biannually or? Does no, it I mean, uh, no, it's, it's every, it's every, every month. month. Monthly. Okay. So you yeah. receive a report, uh, a, a royalties report plus payment every, every month. Okay. Um, but Jennifer's right with some clients, you know, it takes like, for instance, I think uh, People Magazine just sent us a notice yesterday that they were now paying uh, 90 days after receipt of, in, uh, you know, our invoice. invoice. Right. So the money, uh, you know, it turns around Slowly. over over the Slow. course of months rather mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. days, you know. Is it possible yeah. to make uh, a living, a full-time living through agency work like this? Celebrity work? Yeah, Maybe. I mean... Yeah. People do, you know. They uh, do. Yeah. We have many photographers who uh, make their living that way. So, yes, yeah. the answer is yes. But is it as good That's a living not- as it was maybe ten or fifteen years ago? No, no. <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. So I think it's a lot not, of photographers. It's not, it's not a life of lounging about either. I mean, it you is are not. literally on the no. prowl. It is not. It's 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 a hard it's a, a hard job. You know, it's um, there's a lot of competition, a lot of stress, a lot of. Uh, you know, relentless uh, pressure to to make pictures that are going to make you money. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of hard. And do you feel that pressure, Jennifer? Kind of every day, is it kind of you wake up and you look at the event calendar and, and see what's out there, and 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 how do you make your decisions on what you're gonna what you're gonna run to every day? Uh, well, it, it it is difficult because even if you think that you've picked the right event to photograph. Anything can happen once you get there. You can have a cranky publicist that'll be saying, no, you can't get this, you can't get that. You can have a cranky celebrity that won't walk the red carpet, and that may have been the main person that you were there for. There's so many things that can make the whole experience go wrong, and you never know until you get there and when you're in the midst of doing things. So it's definitely not easy. So can we talk a little bit about your gear setup, what you use, and... and, uh if you've changed recently to a new system or, or, and what's out there generally, I mean, we were saying earlier, it's a, you know, a 70 to 200. Yeah. And a, a, a good camera with a 70 to 200 and a flash. If, if you, even if you need a flash these days, I don't know. You need a flash. Okay. You need yeah. a flash <laughs> these days. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, is that an aesthetic choice that you guys really looked, you need that kind of. Listen, you, you can shoot available light mm-hmm. if you, if that's your thing, but you you know, in our world, that's that's just not going to make you any money. You know, the 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 kind of clients that we are dealing with expect, boom, you know, yeah, a flash, okay. a flash yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, for what I use, I use a Nikon D five um, twenty eight to three hundred four five five six lens, mm-hmm. and then nine hundred flashes. I don't really like the nine tens that much, and. Uh, that's model nine hundred, not nine hundred <laughs> flashes with you. Okay. Well, sometimes it feels like I have nine hundred flashes with me. Yeah. That's the um, weight of that lens you're carrying. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. nine hundred, and then and then I'll have a secondary camera for available light, which would be the seventy to two hundred. Mm. Oh, so you, and you're carrying two. Oh, so you have two heavy cameras with you then. All that's the time. a lot yeah. of gear to hold around. Yeah. That's not light gear. Right. 
No, no. That makes my chiropractor very happy. <laughs> <laughs> and do you ever bring an additional light? Uh, do you ever throw more flash if you need to in a, in a commander setting? Or that's just impossible? You know, sometimes you try it. The other night when I was doing Frida Pinto, I did do that. I, I, I put a uh, flash in, in a planter nearby where mm. I was photographing her just to get more of a, of a uh, kind of a rounded effect with the lighting. Uh, but most of the time, no, because you really don't have that opportunity. You know, you have the stanchions set up. Maybe you can get one of those gorilla tripod holders to clamp on the uh, on the stanchion. But oftentimes, the other photographers will be knocking it off. So, yeah. you know, you really need to stay self-contained as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think um, something that may not be obvious to to some of the listeners. Uh, is that you know you you have to understand that you're in a very enclosed space. You have to respect the photographers around you, so you always have to use a bracket. You know mm-hmm. you can't have a flash. You know right. F- Someone else's flash. Won't not have only to you, you don't want shadows in your pictures, but also you don't want to be blocking the guy who's literally shoulder to shoulder. I thought that was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> Sometimes you happen to forget your bracket, and that's a shame. I know. I mean, etiquette and photographers. I don't know. That's kind of a weird mix. <laughs> well, that that would be a nice little. Is is there anything you want to throw out there, Jennifer, regarding the what goes on in the pen and, and the uh, the interaction with photographers, or is it something that we can all imagine? Having <laughs> I, I mean, you, you can imagine yeah. it's uh, you're dealing with a lot of people who are all cranky to begin with, and then whatever is happening in front of them can make them even crankier than they were before. And and then the, there's always the smack talk because mm. some photographers like to. Uh, get other photographers upset so that they can't shoot as well as they normally shoot. It's, it's kind of funny. It's almost like a circus. I kind of sit back and I watch all the interactions between um, a lot of the photographers. And, you know, most of the time people get, get along well together. But every now and then you get one that's just having a bad day and they just want to just wash that badness over everyone. Uh, I was at an event once I was working it and uh, the publicist actually threw out one of the photographers and I was deservedly so I mean he was just talking smack about not about just about the photographers but about the celebrities he was about to photograph and yeah. uh, and it made other you know people were laughing uncomfortably at his jokes but uh, I was actually very happy that he got thrown out it kind of changed the whole vibe uh, of the moment it, yeah there's there's a few out there that I'll leave nameless that are known to do that are there any? I mean, in this case, uh, the celebrity that we were photographing ultimately was was great. She uh, she made a moment where she she went across the aisle or across the line of photographers and gave eye contact to every single one of them, but kind of did it in her own terms. People were screaming her name, and she now everybody shut up. I'll just do it this way: one, 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 and it was really great. Is that something that you you've come across for you know celebrities that know the know the drill and are helpful? It, it, I have to tell you, it's very interesting because I'm, I work between New York and L.A., and I find that the celebrities act differently out in L.A. They tend to give the photographers more eye contact. They take their time. Uh, they'll walk the red carpet. They'll work their fashion. You get much better photos. In New York, 
I find that they're very quick. They get on the red carpet and they get off as fast as they can. You may or may not get the eye contact. They may just want to look at one person and just keep on going. It's it's really interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. And and I've asked them, why are you different in New York? And and the response has been to me, we didn't realize that we are different when we're in New York. And then I explain to them what they do in L.A. and what they do in New York. And then sometimes they tell me the New York photographers are really mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think it more has to do with the fact that in New York it's 37 degrees. You just want to get inside already. And now, when you're done with a, what you've just shot, let's say for example a red carpet, are, are you right back to your to your laptop and uploading photos, or is there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And how yeah, do you? No time to wait. How do you submit? Uh, let's say to Instar. Do you, do you use FTP or how, what's the protocol? It used to always be FTP, but not anymore. Sometimes uh, clients, when I work with TV Guide, they want everything uploaded via Hightail or WeTransfer. So mm-hmm. it, it, it varies now. Okay. How are smartphones affecting this business? I imagine people are submitting pictures with their phones already because some of these phones oh, yeah. are pretty darn good already. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's affected us in that there's even more photographs out there right. now from, from anyone who has a half-decent smartphone. I think... You know, dis- discerning clients are not going to use a fashion picture from an iPhone, though. You know, it's going to be a quality issue still. Even as good as the quality is, it's not good enough yet. Mm-hmm. Um, for this, on the celebrity news side of things, though, it's slightly different, you know, because if you happen to be sitting next to Harvey Weinstein in a restaurant, restaurant sorry, <laughs> and you, you take a picture with your iPhone, you know, and that's a news picture at, at that point. You know, the quality is not really an issue. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's Harvey Weinstein having mm-hmm. dinner. So, so yeah. And Jennifer, do you upload uh, raw images or JPEG? Not everything's JPEG. You, you can't work with raw images at, a, at an event. I may shoot a thousand images, so there's no way you can do that in raw. I noticed that you sell images from from your own site, and you also work with, with other agencies. Are there is there ever a conflict in the sense that you know, you'll you're, you'll sell an image from your site, and I guess you'll get the full amount of money, the full profit. Uh, but that image may be on another agency's site, and, and they're missing out. Uh, is that just part of the the business, or how does that work? It's part of the business, and most of the people that will come to my site and and purchase a picture are are mostly fans that do that. Not the magazines, not the the people and us and and such. They'll go directly to the agencies and pull photos from that from those places. But for mine, it's the corporate clients and the fans are the ones who get the photos from the website. How would you define the difference between celebrity photography and, and paparazzi? And do you, let's say you're at a restaurant in Los Angeles and, and you see a, a celebrity, will you take that picture or you're like, I'm not working now, I'm just eating? Uh, for me, right. I, I, I have a line I, that I don't cross. So I, my definition of paparazzi is that you are basically chasing down the person, so you'll be relentless. If they're You're at a, a restaurant, they're eating, yeah. you stalk them. You'll, you'll go and you'll bother them wherever they are. Um, I don't do that. I always ask the person before I photograph them, do you mind if I take a picture? If they say no, I don't. Um, if they say yes, great, I'll take a picture. But if I'm at dinner, like which, which happened not long ago, I was sitting next to Madonna. She was at the table next to me. 
oh my God, did I want to take a picture? Mm -hmm. I really did want to do that very badly. But I didn't because it's not something that I do. The paparazzi are experts at getting those shots, and I'm not. And I'd rather not play in that arena. Can either of you talk about one image that... uh was just a, a gigantic payday, maybe something that you, you didn't expect it to be or, or something that just blew the others away in terms of how much you earned off of that. Uh, I mean, you don't have to go into details of exactly, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious what, what a giant payday would be for, uh, for a photo image. Giant paydays tend to be news photographs that everyone wants, and there's a very short window of time that you can obtain the picture within. And giant paydays now are not what they used to be 10 years ago. Uh, I mean, our biggest, as an agency, our biggest paydays are well into six figures mm. um, for certain images. For one image, one use? Uh, well, for, for a set of images. Okay. Yeah. Um, there have been, not, not uh, f- for my agency, but there have been situations where one image has commanded those kind of figures one single frame but and it's very exciting when that happens you know i mean it's it's uh you know that you have something that is really valuable and is that a controlled situation like a high profile couple getting married and banning aircraft from flying within 100 miles of the tent it can be that i mean it can be just something like for instance the other day we we got we got pictures of matt lauer right after he uh was fired um that made the front of the New York Post. You know, I mean, that was a, a, a picture that everyone wanted and all of the networks ran. And, um, you know, that was... And when know, that happens, do you, as the owner of the company, step in and say, okay, I'm going to handle the negotiations on this one yeah. and, and make sure that... We get yeah, I mean, you, 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 you do... You, the adrenaline starts going uh-huh. and you do start to uh, take control of the situation because you know how vital it is in those initial moments to, to get, it, get it right. Not only to get the picture in front of the right people, but also to make sure that they are paying what you know they will pay for that picture. So yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely part of an agent's job. Does it happen every every week? No. Does it happen even every month? Probably not, you know, but it does happen where you, you do get that vital picture that everyone wants. Um, another occasion I can remember was quite a few years back now, but Paris Hilton had been basically going in and out of jail and uh, we, no. yeah, <laughs> and we about to say who? <laughs> and she'd been she'd been released, and she was back home in Beverly Hills or West Hollywood, and uh, the entire pre- world's press was outside her house. You know, everyone from CNN to us, and she she the judge ordered her to come back to court, and he was going to send her back to jail. Uh, there were dozens and dozens of photographers there. Um, our guy got a picture of her in the back of the squad car uh, crying. And it was a very famous picture at the time. And, um, you know, I I don't want to say it sold for the most amount of money, but it was just very exciting to be the one agency to be handling that picture. You know, it was was a great shot. I mean, really good shot. And do you know how he got that compared to the other photographers that were there? Listen, he was ready with his gear set up and Uh he he knew what he was going to do when the car came out and he Uh was in the right spot. You know, and scale, experience, and luck. A little bit of experience, yeah. a little bit of luck, yeah. and you know. And Jennifer, on your end, is there any any interesting stories of that that one photo that uh, that just blew up for you? Uh, 
I can't really say any any photo really blew up. I mean, I I did get the only shot of Leona Helmsley with her dog Trouble, and after she died, um, that went crazy. It ran all over the place, but it wasn't a huge money maker. No. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, she left her fortune or part her of dog. her fortune to her dog. Yeah, yeah, her dog. Yeah, yeah. And why didn't it earn? I mean, is there a specific reason that it didn't? Make a lot of money, or just it, it just wasn't that. Uh, I think the dog had too many demands. If I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I think so. There was yeah, no uh, model release. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it, it it unfortunately was picked up by a wire, and it was disseminated without my knowledge, uh, and so I kind of lost out on that. It ran, I don't know, seventy some odd thousand times. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Well, so, <laughs> I, I was a little unhappy. Yeah, but I mean, that was the photo that blew up. It was it was everywhere, and yeah. and every time the dog would do something, or the family would take the dog to court, which was hilarious, uh, the photo would run again. Mm-hmm. By that time, even though we we corrected the issue where it was disseminated, people had archived the picture, and they just kept on running it. Jennifer, uh, for people who want to catch up on your work and see what you do, where should they be going to? Oh, well, they should go to www.graylock.com. And that's, and that's gray, within, gray with an A, G-R-A-Y-L-O-C-K, a few Brits out there. <laughs> and, uh, and the other thing that I'm doing, it's a character that I have trademarked and copyrighted. Her name is Turlene Trailer Park Queen, which is quite hilarious. Chris Doherty, uh, where can we find your work? Where, uh, where should uh, people go to check up and see what you've been up to? Yeah, um, instarimages.com is okay. our website. And, and it's I-N-S-T-A-R, as yeah. in Instar. Instar Images, all one word. And, uh, you know, you can register to access the site there. I mean, a certain amount of our material is visible already. If you're interested in supplying us with images or becoming a contributor, then you can um, contact us via the site and we'll we'll take a look at your work and set you up all right okay well there you have it the 100th episode of the bnh photography podcast it's pretty exciting stuff yeah what should we do to celebrate we open up we have some uh, diet soda here we could have some of that and a bottle of ketchup (laughs) this is gonna be a party let me tell you to end all parties uh next week guess what the 101st episode. Also, we're going to have more information. We are going to be having, in the next few weeks, more information to celebrate this century milestone. We have some very cool gifts. We're going to be giving away some really good stuff. And it'll be easy to qualify to win these things. So stay tuned. We are coming up with all of the uh, rules and regulations and facts and figures. And uh, we'll give it to you in the next uh, upcoming episodes. In the meantime, on behalf of Jason and John and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today. 